Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 254 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for the faithfulness, love, and compassion you have for us as we read your word. May we see more of you as we read today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's see what Jesus is teaching in John chapter 8. In the last verse of chapter 7, it says everyone went back to their home. As we start this chapter, we read that Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. There are a number of mentions of the Mount of Olives in the Bible. Jesus often went there with his disciples to talk with them and pray with them. He also went there alone. The Garden of Gethsemane is also located within this area. Here in our chapter today, Jesus spent the night there. He may have slept, but I imagine he spent time communing with his Father in prayer more than he slept. He was filled with God's love and compassion when he was asked about the woman caught in adultery. The law called for her to be stoned. The Pharisees put Jesus to the test to see what he would do with her. He didn't see this woman as the rest of the crowd saw her. He saw her with God's eyes. Interestingly, he stooped down twice to write in the sand. When asked his opinion, he stooped down. He didn't lean into the question. He backed away. The one who is the ultimate judge didn't offer judgment. Instead, he bent low. When they persisted, he stood up. And even then, he didn't judge her. He told the people to throw a stone only if they had never sinned. And then he stooped down low as if to minimize himself as the ultimate judge once again. He showed himself lowly and humble in this story. Will this be what it is like to stand before him one day? We don't know for sure, but what we do know is that Jesus has more compassion for us than we can possibly understand. He didn't condemn the woman. His death removes condemnation for us as well. His words to her were kind yet firm. He told her he didn't condemn her and he told her to not sin anymore. When we go to the Lord for forgiveness, we can be sure he will forgive us and ask us to not continue in our sins. He is the one who can strengthen us to live more fully for him and less for ourselves. We can pray for the strength to avoid sin just as Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. As you read this chapter, pay attention to how Jesus told the people he doesn't judge as people judge and about the freedom he gives to us believers. Let's see what Paul is writing the Ephesians in chapter 4. Both at the beginning and the end of this chapter, Paul writes about being gentle, kind, and compassionate with one another. We all have faults, but as we grow, we can shed our former selfishness and hard hearts. He encourages the people to continue to grow in Christ. In verse 15, he wrote, Enfolded in love, let us grow up in every way and in all things into him who is the head, even Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. God loves us into our better selves. He teaches us where we need to grow and then loves us enough to help us grow past our sins and live more for him. Verse 23 says, And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. A constant renewal takes constant effort. I commend you for continuing to read the word and learn more about God and his ways every day. This is how we grow. God shows us who he is. He shows us who we are being. And then he shows us who we are in him. This is how we learn and grow. Paul also gives a few direct orders. Don't sin when we are angry. Don't let the sun go down without resolving our anger. If we allow our anger to fester, we may open a door for the enemy. May our hearts seek God when we are angry. 
he will help us quiet our emotions. Paul also tells us not to let evil be a part of our speaking. He tells us to say only good and beneficial things to others for their spiritual growth. He tells us to not grieve the Holy Spirit. Paul lists some of the things that grieve the Holy Spirit as we just cited. He goes on to talk about bitterness, wrath, rage, bad temper, resentment, quarreling, and malice. These too grieve the Holy Spirit. May we pray for and receive a tender heart full of compassion, love, forgiveness, and humility as we strive to become more like Christ. Let's see what Isaiah is prophesying in Isaiah chapter 17. We read about the impending doom of Damascus. Damascus was the capital city of Syria. Israel and Syria allied together and were both against Judah. Since Ephraim is the main tribe in Israel, verse 3 pairs both Syria and Ephraim as places that will lose their glory. They will both be judged and taken down. Verse 7 says, In that day will men look to their maker, and their eyes shall regard the Holy One of Israel. And then verse 8 says their hearts will no longer seek idols to worship, including idols that consist of worshiping the work they do. God desires our worship. He desired it back then and desires it now. May we seek to worship God instead of the world. May he soften our hearts and direct our worship to him and him alone. God will use Assyria to bring the devastation that we read about, but then it will be Assyria's turn to undergo God's wrath. In chapter 18, we read about Ethiopia. Judah wanted to form an alliance with Ethiopia to fight Assyria. God warned them against this, for he didn't need the help of any other country to take them down. We read about God cutting off the Assyrian harvest just when it looks like it will be an abundant one. He will fill the mountains with dead bodies of Assyrian warriors, and then even the Ethiopians will come and worship the Lord in Zion. Interestingly, Isaiah doesn't prophesy harm against the Ethiopians, even though God doesn't approve of the alliance between them and Judah. It was really Judah's mistake to not believe in God enough to stand strong in God's power and what he could do for them. Well, let's see what we can learn from Psalm 73. We start a section in this book that is written by Asaph, who was the choir director for King David. He was a gifted musician, and we are fortunate to read some of his writings. In this psalm, Asaph writes about the success and wealth of the wicked people. He cannot understand why they prosper while the righteous do not. He goes on about this idea for over half the psalm, but then he reconciles his spirit, knowing the wicked will perish while the righteous will be saved by God. Verse 25 has been written in a song, Whom have I in heaven but you, and I have no delight or desire on earth besides you. This verse is written by a spiritual man for sure. He writes how we may fail, but God is our strength and our portion forever. And he finishes the psalm much like King David would. I have put my trust in the Lord God and made him my refuge that I may tell of all your works. This life has been given to us by the creator of the universe. We are his and we live to serve and worship him. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for showing us just how much you love us in your word. Help us receive the love you have for us. Keep our hearts soft toward you so that we honor, revere, and worship you. Keep us yours, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word.